Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone. I want to thank everybody for the support and love that I've received as we embark on this podcasting journey together. I appreciate each and every one of you. I read everybody's messages and I am really excited to have you join me here. So this week we are actually about to get spiritual. I'm bringing on Amy Lauren Greenfield, who is an astrologer, life coach, and energy healer based in LA. Amy and I first met when I attended a full moon ceremony that she hosted back in September. I've always had an interest in astrology and other topics that a lot of my friends might refer to as woo-woo, but I had never done a full moon ceremony before and I was really curious about what it would entail. I ended up finding this ceremony to be really eye-opening for me, and it really gave me the opportunity to think through some of the decisions I'd been making, kind of reevaluate, readjust, and help myself set some really important boundaries in my life. I found the experience so inspiring that I had to invite Amy on the show to talk about it herself. So in our conversation today, Amy and I talk about how you can have your own full moon ceremony at home, and how the moon phases can help guide our intentions. We also talk about her practice as a meditation coach and how beginners can incorporate meditation into their routines, the intersection of wellness and spirituality, and a lot more. Now, before we get started today, I wanted to talk a little bit about a cause that's near and dear to my heart. You're going to hear me talk a lot about the power of community on this podcast, and from time to time, I'm going to talk about organizations that I truly believe in. I serve on the Young Professionals Board of Harbor House of Central Florida, which is a state-certified domestic violence organization. Harbor House not only has an emergency shelter, but also offers a 24-hour crisis hotline, safety planning and counseling, a pet kennel, licensed daycare, and a lot of other helpful resources. So to raise funds for this incredible organization, our board is hosting a virtual event called Handbags for Hope, where we will be auctioning off designer handbags. You don't have to live in Central Florida to bid on a handbag, so I encourage you all to attend. The event will take place from November 9th through the 13th, so it's coming up soon. And for anybody interested giving back, to a worthy cause. I've linked all the details in the show notes, and I hope you'll join me. So now without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am a life coach, a meditation teacher, an astrologer, an intuitive reader and an energy worker. And essentially I combine all of those practices to help my clients learn more about themselves and work through areas of their lives that they may be stuck in and really just move forward to the next areas of their life with ease and grace and find more peace in their lives. That's really cool. I have really always been very interested in the spirituality and astrology side of everything. And I would love to know what your journey into that world was like. Well, essentially it really started in one, I think a lot of people really in the health field find themselves following this similar trajectory 
started with my own health issues and my own then I think mental and emotional stresses and struggles in my own life that led me really on this journey to seek out ways to get out of the place that I was in. And really one thing led to another as I worked on my health and worked with um, holistic nutrition, and that really wasn't sufficient. I gradually found my way towards the practice of meditation and to astrology, which was this incredible tool to really understand myself and my quirks and my gifts, and also see myself connected to the bigger picture of of everything, and eventually into more of the energy work and the intuitive work that I do. Now, you're also a meditation teacher through Unplug. Can you talk a little bit about that process, how you got into it, and how it plays a role in your coaching? For sure. Um, Meditation is really the cornerstone of my coaching and my own personal life and personal practice. I think once you get yourself meditating, it really opens up and expands everything for you. Essentially, when you're meditating, it's different than just a state being in a state of deep relaxation where that's great for your body, but when you're meditating, your brain waves are you're actually producing different brain waves. And during that time, your body has the ability to rebalance itself. It's like the antidote to stress. So any hormonal reactions that are out of balance, um, all of these things can return to equilibrium, you know, lower your blood pressure. All these physiological changes can happen to support your health. And at the same time, other areas of life are benefited as well. So you'll experience emotional healing. You'll um, increase your mental and cognitive functions and, you know, you can build more empathy. All these things are now scientifically proven. Meditators have been, you know, practicing this for centuries and knowing the benefits, but now thanks to modern science, things have, you know, we're able to tangibly prove some of these benefits. And the training that I did through Unplug Meditation I actually found very synchronistically, um, David G led this training at Unplug Meditation. Unplug Meditation is was the first secular drop-in studio in the U.S. And David G is a Hay House author, so he was one of my favorite authors. And I followed him on Instagram one day, and he happened to be doing live with Unplug Meditation, my favorite studio in LA. And I right away signed up because it was just this incredible opportunity to be at this place where I could learn from both the skills of Susie and David G. Susie, her goal with Unplugged Meditation was to bring meditation to, you know, our modern world in a way that feels accessible and fun and simple, whereas, you know, using traditional practices that come from different lineages, sometimes that can cause people to shy away from the practice that is so incredibly um, helpful and beneficial for them. So by really learning how to teach all these different techniques in ways that is accessible and approachable, I can gradually 
gradually help my clients ease their way into the practice. And David G's training came from being at the Chopra Center. So Deepak Chopra's Chopra Center. He was the chief officer of operations there for over 10 years, training all of their meditation teachers. And he actually was the original creator of the 21 day meditation challenge that now is, you know, infamous for being held by Oprah and Deepak together. I don't know if your listeners have ever done that, but he created that. So it was just an incredible experience learning from both of them at that training. And it really allows me to help bring meditation to people that otherwise might not be as might, you know, might say, Oh, it's not for them or they're too busy. That's going to be all of us. And I, I know what that's like. I found meditation and it's my daily salvation because I was someone who suffered from severe anxiety and ADHD and, you know, having my thoughts run a mile a minute. So if I can do it, you can do it. And it really is the stepping stone to transforming our whole inner world and transforming the outside as a result. That's awesome. I know I really love meditation when I actually do stick to a routine and it has been a while, but when I am meditating, I feel, you know, calmer. I feel like I do better at work. I function better in all areas. And I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, meditation is something they might be curious about, but either they might think it might be a little woo woo or maybe they're, you know, just struggling with, you know, it can seem really overwhelming, you know, to do a long meditation session. Do you have any tips for new, um, new people to the practice and how to make it accessible when you're starting out? Yeah. So some, a phrase that I, that really was coined by David G was, is comfort is queen. So especially when you're starting out, while it might be most beneficial to be sitting in a lotus pose and, you know, there is value in having your back upright, if you need to sit in a comfy chair or just make yourself comfortable so that it's something that you can do and it's not so excruciating that you won't do it. And my other few tips are you want to start small. So if you're going to set, you know, you want to add meditation to your life and make it something consistent, if you start out with 20 minutes by day two, you might decide, I can't do this. It's not for me. I can't, it's, you know, I can't commit to this. But if you set a commitment that's achievable and that really is doable, so something like one to three minutes and commit to that every day, you can always build from there. But it's going to be so much more powerful to meditate for two minutes every day than it would be to meditate meditate for 20 minutes here or there, you know, every, every so often. And then the final tip, which really brings these all together is you, you, you're going to want or really need to ritualize it because the thing with meditation is it's a practice. Every time you sit down to meditate, it's going to be different. Some days are going to be more uncomfortable and, you know, not feel necessarily as good. You think of meditation as, oh, you're in peace and you're blessed. Not the case always. Um, and that's and it's not really the point that that is going to be the immediate case. So what you're going to want to do is just carve out 
a set time in your day that this is the time I meditate, I show up for those five minutes before my timer goes off, I'm sitting and committing to the practice. Anything that happens within that in that time counts as meditation and building that into your day as a ritual, just like brushing your teeth is so that you don't have to talk yourself into it, figure out when it's going to fit into your day. And I usually, I typically recommend ideally incorporating that into your morning routine. So whether that's first thing your alarm goes off, you sit up in bed and now instead of pressing the snooze alarm, you meditate or it's right after you brush your teeth before you, before you look at your phone, ideally, before you walk the dog, before you respond to all of the people and the responsibilities that are calling you in, throughout the day, setting that, carving that time out for yourself would be the way that it becomes a staple in your life rather than something you do every so often when you remember it. I think that consistency is so key. I know that for me personally, you know, when you when you have it as part of that routine, especially in the morning, I think that really sets the tone for the whole day. We had one guest on the podcast who had talked about um, for kind of creating those boundaries in your life, not touching your phone first thing in the morning. And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, instead of starting your day with those emails and social media and all of that, to be setting intentions and kind of taking that time to center yourself, it could really set the tone, especially right now, since, you know, so many people are in a completely different routine than they were used to. And anxiety, I think, is higher than ever. And so I love the idea of incorporating meditation just to kind of you know, make this time a lot easier and then kind of build upon that, you know, as life maybe does go a little bit more back to normal. So I really love that. Now, speaking of meditation, so you are a meditation coach, but you also do tarot, you um, you look at birth charts, energy readings, Reiki. Um, why don't you tell us a little more about your coaching practice and ways that you can help others? Right. So I definitely, I offer a couple of different kind of tracks with coaching. And at the same time, sometimes those tracks might merge and look a little different for each client. And really we tailor the the practice or the we tailor the coaching to where the client is and where they want to go. And coaching I love because while I can, you know, pull from therapy like techniques, we're present and future oriented. And that process of having another person invested in you and in your dreams and in your best interests and in helping you navigate life is just like, it creates almost this alchemy where you experience breakthroughs and transformation and move forward out of situations that maybe, yes, you would have in time, but at a faster rate and with more ease. So with a coach, you have someone that you're accountable to and you really just that accountability helps you build, you know, self-discipline, which is really the best form of self-love when it's a commitment to the things that you, you know, determined are things that you want and that serve your growth and your well-being. And yeah, like you can rapidly build that confidence when you you know, are taking action because you're being supported to and held accountable to and moving out of your comfort zone, which is when we're going to feel more joy and when we're going to feel more fulfillment. And 
So throughout that process, I definitely work in more of a, you know, compassionate and nurturing sort of way where taking into a into account the reason that we haven't done these things already is not because we're lazy or don't want to. It's because there are, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, but certain belief systems that we have or certain traumas and there's certain emotions we're holding into or certain just experiences and wiring that we have that is not allowing us to. And sometimes in order to get to that next step, we're going to need to release a lot and, and not necessarily go looking for, you know, what's really in our way, but it, it will unfold and it will feel uncomfortable. So having that safe space and having all of these tools to help move through that and help move into really a place of alignment where we're, we're able to figure out, because sometimes we don't even know a lot of my clients, it's really about getting clarity on what they even want and what they're good at and what brings them joy. So whether that means recruiting their birth chart or looking back at their childhood experiences, but when we start to really line up, what do they find joy in, what's important to them, what are their values, and then how they can live that way, we're often going to incorporate other tools and modalities. Like I mentioned, astrology to really get a clear gauge on, you know, life purpose or strengths or the, you know, relationship dynamics that are ideal and really what they want and what's difficult and how they can work through more challenging tensions within themselves And yeah, I tie in holistic health coaching because, you know, what we're putting into our bodies, how we're scheduling our day, all of that is going to be, you know, supportive and really with intuitive coaching and tarot readings and intuitive readings and intuitive guidance, I work in a way that I help clients also get in touch with their subconscious or their intuition or their connection with the universe so that Yes, while they may come to me for, you know, short-term guidance in a certain situation and, you know, getting, you know, just clarifying what's going on or where to step next and getting a bigger read on where they are so they know where, you know, how to alter things. I also empower clients to be able to, you know, tap into their own inner wisdom and use these tools to support that on their own because I think that's our compass. So we have these, you know, what are our desires? And then how do we listen to our heart's wisdom and the universe's guidance to allow us to take the easiest path, path there? And I think having a coach through all of that is so key. I think a lot of times with self care, we, you know, we tend to kind of put all that responsibility on ourselves. We think we need to reinvent the wheel and sometimes talking to somebody else who can, you know, pull in, as you said, you know, different modalities and really look at the holistic picture. I think that can be really great. And I think the accountability of having a coach, because so often, you know, we do, I think many of us put ourselves last and our self-care last. You want to you know, make sure you're taking care of the people in your life and your work and whatever obligations are on that to-do list. And I think um, self-care often does not make its way onto the checklist for the day. And I think having that coach and that 
accountability can really help you to discover things about yourself and to make changes in your life that are going to be meaningful. And as you said, finding that joy. And so I think, you know, seeing a coach can be really impactful and meaningful thing. You touched on this with um, with your coaching practice, but you know I've I've always seen a lot of overlap in the worlds of wellness and spirituality. Um, so many of the wellness podcasts I listen to, while they may have started out um, on more of the traditional the traditional side of wellness, you know those were also the same podcasts and blogs that introduced me to a lot of the side of astrology and energy healing and some of that. Can you talk a little bit more about that intersection and kind of where the two come together? I mean, I think you really, there's no way to separate them in how I see it. Because when we are talking wellness, that includes our mental, emotional, physical, energetic, and spiritual health. Spiritual health, And I know for me personally, I kind of missed the ball on the spiritual aspects. Um, starting off. And you can also go the opposite way. I had another time in my life where I focused really on my spiritual health, but I, you know, wasn't taking the aligned actions that I needed to, to move my body in the way that it wanted to. And I think, and you're not going to be able to just get by on the spiritual aspect alone. While I arguably, I do think that peace can be more powerful when we're really conscious of our thoughts and our energy. I think we can impact the physical, but ultimately, you know, when, when you're manifesting and living alignment, that's going to also lead us to knowing, to, you know, coming face to face with, oh, I really need to be nourishing my body in the most, in the highest way that I can to live, you know, and to live in alignment with the choices that support the highest expression of my well-being and vitality and I think the other piece is that they just merge because when we really are in line with the spiritual and we're able to really be in tune with our bodies and listen to our bodies with wisdom and then take those actions that will help us to nourish ourselves. And the same goes for healing. I think, you know, the body knows what to do. And when we remember that spiritual connection that we have and the intelligence in our body's wisdom and trust that if we get out of the way, meaning we stop putting the toxic things in, whether that's environmental or it's thoughts or it's um, removing um, social relationships that are not serving us, that then our body has the space to do its own healing and yeah, and just showing our bodies respect. And I think that then includes living in harmony with the world at large and thinking about how your choices impact the environment. So it's really all just harmony. It's about coming from a place of love in in all aspects, in, in the thoughts we speak to ourselves and to others, in how we honor our emotions and listen to how we're feeling and hold space for that and allow them to move through us and thinking about you know, how we interact with the world and, you know, nourish ourselves using the resources that are, you know, straight from the earth, <laughs> like the sun and healthy and whole foods. 
Definitely. And, you know, I think, so we actually met kind of through that overlap with wellness and spirituality and that mind body connection. Um, now you hosted a full moon ceremony earlier this year, full moon in Pisces. And as a Virgo, I was really struggling through that. Um, before I even checked to see what moon phase we were in, I could tell, um, because of how everything was kind of hitting me all at once. And that full moon ceremony really came at just the right time for me. And during that, you know, during that event, you talked about how we can utilize different practices during the full moon versus the new moon and how the moon phases can kind of influence, you know, certain practices we might want to have at, you know, certain times of the month. And so can you talk to our listeners a little bit more about that and the types of intentions that we might want to be setting during those times? First off, I, if you were never going to use any astrology on your in your life and it wasn't for you, but you were thinking maybe I could start with something, I would say paying attention to the moon cycles would be one of the biggest gifts that you could give to yourself. because. Every month, we're going to have a full moon, and we're going, or maybe it may not fall on the exact days monthly. We might have two full moons in a month, but more or less every month, we'll have a full moon, we'll have a new moon. And this is like nature's way of giving you a calendar date that you have, you know, this reminder to stop and pause and check in with yourself and check in with what's going on in the greater world and what those energies say. So just that alone is just this, you know, your like your forced self-care. So what you're going to want to do when you pay attention to the moon cycle, the moon cycles is think about what's happening for the moon in the cycle. And just that, you know, each phase there's different energy and I won't talk, you know, I won't get into too much of it, but just that the most if you could break it down in the most simplistic way essentially the practices that you want to engage in mirror the moon cycles. So when the moon is new, it's dark and you can't see its light. And in the following days, it increasingly is lit at a greater percentage until it's like full and vibrant. So at the new moon in that dark stage, you want to think about what kind of seeds you want to plant. And this is like the time that you put these seeds into the darkness before anything exists. And you're like giving you know, just planting these things and the, the force of the moon and the cycles are, you know, it gives it this trajectory to grow with. And on the full moon, it's a time of release and letting go and stillness. It's, you know, you're at the peak of this light in the cycle. You're not planting new things. You're thinking about, you know, what came to fruition for you. And you can then tweak and evaluate and assess, like, did the things go as go as planned or as not, where can I really like the letting go is a big piece. It's going to be a, usually a highly, more highly emotional at the full moon where, you know, you're full with all of this energy. So you think about slowing down, getting still, allowing the emotion to move through you and that releasing and letting go process so that you can clear up some space for the new things that eventually you'll bring in. And yeah, and rituals for honoring this can really be as elaborate or simple as you want. I personally favor just lighting a candle, setting a space that feels nice, and all you really need is a pen and a paper. And what you would do is on the new moon, you would set out on 
write down in tangible paper form some of those intentions that you have or seeds you want to plant or you know what you're manifesting. I personally actually love to do this in the present tense as if it's already happened and I'll do a little meditation beforehand to really visualize that and get into the feeling so that when I write, it's just like, you know, you're just going at it and, you know, just letting it flow. And on the full moon, the ritual that I like to do is to write down again, like I think meditating is just a way to really be in a calm, positive, clear state and really in tune with yourself and your desires and how things are going and a way to check in with yourself. So that's why. I put that in there, but it, you know, you can do any number of things. And this is trying to keep it simple, just that all you need is paper and pen. So at the full moon, you would write down whatever you want to release or what's, you know, not going well. And rather than keeping this in your most precious notebook or journal, I would get rid of it, meaning you can tear it up, you could burn it, you can put it in water, but you know, it's more of this symbolic act of you're writing this stuff down and then you're symbolically and energetically destroying it. Like, and it has no place in your life. I found that to be so impactful for me personally. I think it was the day of that ceremony, not really knowing um, anything about what you're supposed to do during the full moon or what you can do during the full moon. Earlier that day, I had been talking about how I really needed to be setting some boundaries and letting go of certain things in my life. And I found that meditating on those things and writing them down and ripping them up, it really has caused me to kind of rethink things in my life and make decisions a little differently. And so it really came to me at a time that I needed it. And I had some strange dreams that night too. So um, I really, I really found that to be very impactful now, at the time, um, it was a full moon in Pisces. Um, at the time that this episode airs, we're going to have a full moon in Taurus, and it's coming right around Halloween, so very spooky. <laughs> what, can, uh, what can we expect with a full moon in Taurus? What does that mean for you know that particular time? Right. Um, so Taurus, so whenever we have these full and new moons, it's always going to be those, you know, how I just explained in general, new intentions, full moon releasing. And when you are in certain signs, those zodiac signs are going to influence, I would say just the the types of intent, the types of areas in your life that you're looking at. And you can even tweak this more when if you actually know your birth chart and know, for example, what house is Taurus in for you. But just in a general sense, on a Taurus full moon, we're all going to be thinking about the Taurus area, you know, about the sign of Taurus. And Taurus is an earth sign. It's a feminine sign, which means it's, you know, it's yin, it's receiving. It's also a fixed sign. And yeah, so the full moon in Taurus, we're going to be wanting to think about grounding ourselves. It might be a mellow time, really getting into that feminine receptive energy and being more passive. We're not going to be taking, you know, action steps. And maybe thinking about, are you feeling secure in your life? Are you feeling, Taurus loves like indulging the senses. So like, how can you feel, you know, are you enjoying life in a sensual way? Um, And you're going to want to tie off any loose ends and weed things out, like weed out things just to make space for things that, for a life that feels secure and luxurious. 
And like I mentioned, like depending on where, what house that's in, it might be like security in the area of finances or security in terms of your relationships. But overall, it's, you know, going to be a sign where Pisces was a water sign and a full moon is already very emotional. So it was just like water, like emotional overflow. This is really going to be, you know, we're thinking about earth. So, you know, uh, you might want to just connect out in nature that day and go, you know, for a hike or be in really like cozy, warm, luxurious clothes. So Taurus is ruled by Venus. So that's why I keep mentioning these things of like luxury and, and finances and security and comfort and the senses. It's like all those things that feel really good and nourishing. Now, it, not only is it going to be a full moon, but um, we'll also happen to be in Mercury retrograde when the episode is released. And I know for me as a Virgo, I panic a little bit when Mercury retrograde is coming out, I think especially releasing a podcast um, during that time. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about Mercury retrograde and how it affects us? And you know, does it affect us even more during a full moon? Well, actually, we'll still have some other retrogrades going on. But I think so by the time we're releasing this, I think Saturn will have gone direct. Jupiter has already gone direct. Pluto, I think, will also be direct. But and Uranus will still be retrograde. So essentially, we've been going about this year. So we're pretty used to it with most of the with a good deal of planets in retrograde. So I think almost all the outer planets were retrograde for a couple of months um, that everyone will have been experiencing and most significant Mars. So Mer- Mercury retrograde, when it go re- goes retrograde, might honestly feel somewhat like a walk in the park. But really what is, and I, I take that back actually. It, <laughs> sorry, it, it will be more of a tough one. It's our third this year. You know, normally we'll have two to three a year. So this is the year with three. And it does actually make some challenging aspects like squaring Saturn, which is, you know, one of the, which has been a predominant influence in our lives in 2020. So when a planet is retrograde, it's, it just, it appears to be moving backwards and backwards in the sky and how we'll interpret what that retrograde represents is by thinking about what the planet typically represents. And then all in that area of life is going to kind of be like, you know, not settled, moving backwards up in the air, not, you know, not on its typical path. So our Mercury rules, you know, the intellect and thinking and communication and short travel and some, you know, and technologies during a Mercury retrograde, it just means to be aware that it might, you know, to be mindful of how you're communicating because your words might got, you know, messages might get, you know, lost in translation and you might miss, you know, there might be miscommunications. It's, you know, they, you know, you warn like it's maybe not the best time to travel. You know, you might experience delays in your flights or things getting changed. So when you're, you know, just the basics would be, you know, not to sign a huge contract or, you know, move to a new home at that time. If you possibly can wait until, the end of the retrograde period, it's ideal. If there are certain things that can't be moved, just be mindful, be extra cautious as you review things, you know, and and ex- and just have an, an eye open that maybe I might need to do this again. Like back up your files 
all of those things. I will mention though, so this Mercury retrograde is going to, for the most part, I think it begins on October 13th and lasts till November 3rd. The, the most, of, most of it is going to take place in Scorpio. So in thinking about what, you know, the nature of this Mercury retrograde, we're thinking about those Scorpio-like deeper things. So communicating around those deeper topics might be more difficult, but it's going to be relevant. And then we're going to move into Libra before it goes direct. So then it's really going to be about like, how do we create harmony in in our communication? And that area might be thwarted. So I do also want to mention, I think the date this airs will be after the 27th. And the 27th is the halfway point. So usually, so we're probably already through the most challenging part. So you can, you know, like let out a sigh. Um, (laughs) Usually the first after the halfway point is when we start like the cleaning up period. So the the beginning is going to be, you know, picking up in terms of how we're experiencing this. And the second half should be things, you know, settling in a way. And then after the, after it ends on the third, we still have a shadow period, but, but this, this um, second half is typically not as new or intense as the first half. That is good to know because I always feel like, you know, during Mercury retrograde, it really, it really is true. I need to back up my files. It is always the time I'm calling IT at work. I kind of just anything that goes wrong, I just kind of have to laugh about it. Um, cause I, I know it, it seems to, it seems to hit me hard every time. Mm-hmm. What are some ways in addition to, you know, backing up files and being, you know, cautious, um, that we can cope with mercury retrograde and some of the feelings that come with that? Yeah, I think it's really just a matter of leaning in. And this is really why I am so passionate about astrology because really it's the more you know, the more you can figure out how to pull out the best things or just, you know, that awareness and knowing, oh, this might happen or, oh, you know, here's how I can capitalize on that energy. Because that Mercury retrograde is actually, you know, Scorp- it's in the sign of Scorpio, which is its traditional rule is Mars. And Mars, I mentioned a little earlier, like Mars is has been retrograde and that is probably if we're experiencing kind of real discomfort throughout this period, it probably actually, it's more likely it's stemming from that. Um, I mean, actually, I won't say that, but these new Mercury issues will be there. But in the background, we have this Mars retrograde in Aries. And just thinking about that, if you know that that's happening and you could figure out what area of your chart Aries is in, and you can expect, for example, that, you know, you might have energy and drive to get something done, but that right now it's maybe going to happen more slow. You know, you might not have the stamina for that, or you might, your drive might waver, or maybe it's, you know, a better time to look inwards. So figuring out how you can just know that and then work at, you know, work on something at, you know, a more prime time that it's going to flow with more ease is just, it's just helpful to you. So that you are not thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with everything around? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is just the energy right now. So how can I lean into that? So I think the same thing with Mercury retrograde. Like if you have the option to 
plan your travel right before or right after, choose that. And if you have to, just know, okay, I might, there might be a delay or I'm going to be extra careful when I'm having this conversation because I'm, yeah, I'm just going to be sensitive that I convey myself clearly and all of that. I think that's really incredible advice. I think you shared a lot of really great insights with us today about energies and astrology and navigating these difficult times sometimes in the, you know, in the moon cycle and in the different retrogrades that we're experiencing this year. I'd like to switch over to some rapid fire questions so our audience can get to know you a little better as well. Are you up for some rapid fire? Sure. Awesome. So what is your top wellness tip? Positive loving thoughts and gratitude. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've I've heard that you there's something physiologically you cannot be anxious when you're being grateful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that is such great advice. Where is your favorite travel destination? hard one. I would love to travel to every place in the world at some point. For now, I'll say Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I miss travel. I know. Me too. Someday. Yes. I know. When all of this is over, I will be booking that flight, not during a retrograde. And (laughs) yes, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I think a cat. I actually used to be, it was one animal that I used to be scared of and I healed that and I found my my cat now that used to be with me in a past life and she's the best. And I would love to be a cat because I would love to be pet, but be totally kind of independent, able to do my own thing and just everyone else would want my attention rather than vice versa. <laughs> it seems like an easy life. Sleep a lot and feel content. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, that is a great animal to be. And <laughs> um, there's something otherworldly about them too. You know, mm-hmm. they they seem to know more than maybe than we do. That that's awesome. <laughs> what is your number one favorite show to binge? I actually have not watched much TV in ages. I think on a rant on random occasion, I'll watch some Netflix shows. Actually, let me think. I think at the beginning of the of quarantine, I watched they show manifest actually. So staying staying on <laughs> staying on brand, um, and it was really good. I'll and need to check that out. <laughs> Um, I, I can get a little bit too much into the binge, so I probably need to go the other way and do a little bit less of that. Um, so I'm glad you're not wasting too much time in front of the, in front of the TV or computer. I know that can be, that can be a struggle right now. Um, especially with, you know, with the, with everything being closed and, and all of that. So what is your favorite quarantine activity? So a little nerdy, but this is what I'm binging. So if you need that, you know, entertainment without the kind of TV hangover that comes with binge watching shows. My favorite quarantine activity has been reading and podcasts, but especially reading. I have never had as much time to just learn as much as I'm learning now. And it's such a treat. 
That's great. I I love reading. I was doing a little bit of reading tonight right before our call. Um, it's something that I really miss doing. And you're right. I mean, this is the time, you know, to do it. Do you have any recommendations, anything you've read recently that that you really love? Right now, I'm really doing some deep reading on astrology and reading like Demetra Erm. If you wanted to, my recommendation, because I would just love this to be um, more well-known, I would recommend, it's not a fun read, but Richard Tarnas, Cosmos and Psyche, he goes super in-depth looking at, through all of world history, the different by transits. So like what was happening when we had a Saturn-Pluto square and like finding these patterns in throughout our throughout world history so that it's you know easily identifiable like when were these discoveries made and and you can just see the patterns and it will make it so that astrologies which is the meaningful correspondence between you know the celestial bodies and life on earth is you know just irrefutable because it's never going to be something that's scientifically proven it's beyond the scope of science it it takes into account uh, more intelligent underpinning to everything that is not explainable through science. So I, I think that would be like, even if you weren't going to read it all, all the way through, I would want everyone to pick up a copy of that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll have to add that to my reading list. It sounds, it sounds really cool. I would love to see, you know, where those synchronicities were with what was going on and actually, you know, what historical events were taking place. So that sounds really cool. Um, now, Amy, thank you so much for joining us again. You know, everything that you shared today was extremely helpful. And I think, you know, for many of our listeners, this may be, you know, kind of their first crash course into some astrology. And so I think um, you've, shared some really practical tips that they can take with them, especially, you know, going into the full moon and um, kind of orienting themselves to the different moon phases because it, you know, they do affect us. And so um, thank you again. How can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Amy Lauren Green or on my website, www.aligned-guidance.com. And yeah, I think message me on Instagram and it and I'll, I'd be happy to talk to you there or answer any questions. Awesome. And we will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. Amy, thank you again so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I know that everyone has a range of perspectives when it comes to astrology and spirituality, and that's okay. I think it's really important to have an open mind and to be willing to learn. And as Amy discussed in our conversation, wellness is multifaceted, and it includes a lot more than just our physical health. I really love the idea of paying attention to the moon phases to help us center ourselves and truly evaluate what's important to us. Amy also shared some really great advice for those who are new to the world of meditation. I know I've struggled personally to create a consistent practice in my own life, but I think that finding a way to really ritualize it is going to help meditation stick as a daily habit. So I have linked all of Amy's information in the show notes, including a link to book an appointment with her. Amy also has other full moon and new moon ceremonies in the works, so be sure to follow along on social media for the latest updates. 
Now, if you liked this episode, please rate, review, subscribe so that others can find the podcast and be sure to share with a friend. If you have a topic you'd like to see, drop me a line at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or DM me on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. I hope to see you next week.